welcome along. Great to be with you. Uh, my name's Ash, if you're, if you're along for the first time. Uh, my name's Ash. I'm a pastor down at Christchurch Escape. Uh, you join us, um, if you're joining us for the first time, on Easter Sunday, um, Resurrection Sunday, um, where you catch us at the end of um, our series, Resurrection Stories. I'm calling this uh, last one. So remember this title. I'm calling it The Resurrection for Normal People. Um, we're looking at the character of Peter, um, and Peter is one of these these characters that's really relatable, and he's liked, I think, because he's relatable. We do a, a podcast as um, as part of the church at Christ Church Escape, and um, we ask a question. We ask people to name three characters from the Bible that they'd, they'd want to have a Zoom chat with, and loads of people uh, say Peter because they can because they can relate to him, <clears throat> but. As I stopped to think about this uh, just the other day, this idea of relating to Peter, I start to think, isn't this the guy that chopped somebody's ear off? Didn't he? Didn't he grab a knife? Yeah, we can relate to that, right? Isn't he the guy um, that witnessed the transfiguration? Um, Elijah coming out of the clouds. Yeah, we've all been there, right? We're just like him, um, but we are just like him. He's really relatable, isn't he? Despite that, um, one of the things that um, really good TV shows do is they create like archetype characters uh, that can that can represent us, that we can look at and go, "Oh, that's you know, there's a there's a funny one, a shy one, or a confident one, or a spoiled one, or whatever else it is." And we look at them and we can kind of see we can see ourselves as them. Now, often, um, so thinking of shows, it's um, you know, shows like Riverdale or even Parks and Recreation or My um, Guilty Pleasure. I say this almost uh, confessionally, uh, Virgin River. Yeah, it's just maybe it's locked down, but it's, you know, it's got me hooked. And you look at these shows and you can sort of you can sort of put yourself in their shoes. And the, the characters or their circumstances are often a bit more extreme. They may be... Um, better looking than we are or they are you know it's more romantic or more impassioned or it's funnier or whatever else it is but we can relate to them and i think peter well other characters too but particularly peter is in in terms of the bible story he's like the archetypal normal Christ, christian um we we read his stories you know we when he when we come across his character maybe as you were just listening to jeff i read that text there we we can really associate uh, with him. If if you're a Christian person, I think you really you really share his emotions. You share you share his pain. You share lots of his experiences. And if you ever want to know if you you know if you're not a Christian, you want to know what it's like to um, feel like a Christian. Um, check out, read through the stories of Peter. Um, so this this stories where he shows incredible um, boldness. He feels really sort of empowered and faithful, which we can associate with at times. So there's a, there's a story in the Bible where Peter uh, is in a is in a choppy sea, but he sees his saviour out at sea, and he's just empowered, you know, bold and faithful, and he jumps out onto the water for a couple of steps. Don't really know how many steps, but then he sinks into the water. And as I read about that, you know. As I consider that experience, I can relate to it so so strongly. 
um, the idea that you one moment that you feel empowered by your faith, you feel really, you know, supercharged and that you can do anything in faith. I would guess, I reckon you'll have had that as well. You've had that feeling, just you feel on top of the world and it's related to your faith only to sink, only to um, just feel like you've lost lost all that power and it just disappears and you just sink in the idea of just sinking into into the you know into an ocean it's so how it feels to be a christian there's there's loads of moments where he's, he's always the first to speak up um or he kind of he's either first to speak up or he he almost you know that he thinks before no he speaks before he thinks that's the right way around he sort of speaks before he yeah he speaks before he thinks and loads of times he does that and often he he assumes to know more than even well than you know than everybody else but often even than than god or or jesus who he's faced with and even that we can relate to so often that we you know we go down the road of faith and we kind of question god or we think we know better than god and we can just really feel that and in this easter story in particular um we really get a sense of we really can see ourselves, I think, often in his character, because what happens to him at the Easter story, even though it kind of it kind of extreme, it looks incredibly normal. It's incredibly relatable to us. He makes some incredibly and, and John perhaps tells this story better than anybody else. He sort of focuses in on Peter as a bit of a subplot uh, pointing to Jesus and the resurrection story. And he describes the way that Peter makes these sort of bold promises about never, never leaving or denying um, his saviour like making these really confident as you know as is peter's way and then you sort of watch you know the couple of chapters before the chapter that we're looking at just now you know i think it's 19 and 20 you see the sort of desperate demise of peter as is jesus really needs him and jesus you know is very graphically explained the way that he's headed on good friday and peter heads in the other direction and he denies his saviour and you can almost see um him unraveling and his faith sort of unraveling and you can almost feel him squirm um because of the reality of, of the denial and even though that's a you know that's an archetype he's an archetype of, of of the normal christian we can really i don't maybe it's just me but i reckon it's 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 more than just me that it's that it's all of us that we've had so many moments in our lives when we can even when we've been emboldened and yet we when it comes to them you know these moments that come along in your life these sort of defining moments defining christian moments when you can feel sort of the you know the what it means to be a christian is almost being ironed out and you've got a chance to stand by jesus or speak up for your faith or, or whatever else it is you know in work environments school environments these different uh, circumstances that we come across in life and it just doesn't quite happen we just shrink back we shrink away it's so normal and the character of peter is so uh, relatable <clears throat> one of the things that we've been considering um, as we've looked at these four resurrection stories is this sort of charge or this assertion that paul makes uh, that the resurrection um, if it's true becomes like a knife edge uh, moment it it just changes changes everything and he, he says it in verse, it's um, 1 Corinthians verse 15. We sort of, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 15 verse 14. We've sort of read it over and over again. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. In fact, it's pitiable. He says, if it's not true, 
there's nothing in it. But if it is true, he goes on to say, then it is everything. It is life-changing. It is essential. Every word is dripping with meaning and power. And we today, I would suggest today, I don't know if, if you've been on social media or you've got up and seen the sunshine and you've been thinking about the Easter story or you've been singing along to those songs that the band just played for us. We have, we have lived inside of that moment today on this Easter Sunday, probably more than we do at any other point in the year. We just really grab a hold of the resurrection. It has real meaning. It brings us real hope. And we celebrate it and we do hold on to a lot of, you know, we, we sort of feel quite tangibly the hope that come with it, don't we? He's alive. Praise God, he's alive. And I can, you know, I can face today, but not only can I face today, I can face tomorrow and I can face the day after that. And I can face difficulty because I've got this outrageous hope in Jesus. And yet, Peter's story, even post-resurrection, is incredibly incredibly normal I don't know if you observed just how normal it was in the text and Jeff really helped with the way he um sort of acted his way um through it as he read it out he used us you know he's, he's got slightly slightly jolly tones as Jeff and as he as he used some of the lines some of that some of those jolly tones came out so when he's when, when Peter said I'm off to work we got a real sense that he was going back to something normal I'm off and then he goes to fish and he spends all night fishing it's you know this is after the Jesus has been raised from the dead and he's seen the empty tomb and Peter's you know that's a pretty normal thing to do he's 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 going to his job he's he's fishing and you know he does end up you know there's no fish and then there's a lot of fish it's kind of amazing but it's still just um fishing and then he has breakfast and then a you know pretty moving chat it's kind of amazing but at the same time, it's it's quite normal. I think we can really sense what it's like um, to feel that the idea that we live in we live convinced of this amazing hope that the resurrection brings, and yet we exist in a mundane Monday morning, and we have this saying. Um, you'll have seen this on social media if you've got social you have everyone's got social media if you've got social media he says like an old <laughs> middle-aged man if you looked on social media um and you've got other christian friends which you probably have we have this this saying that says um, it's you know friday it's been friday but sunday's coming so there's you know there's great hope and uh, and as i just thought about as i reflected on this talk and that saying i realized that you could also say as well as saying it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You can also say it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. There's this sense that we we live out this amazing resurrection truth um, in the mundane, everyday normality of life. And that can make it really weird, can't it? I'm eternally saved and I'm heading towards holiness. Uh, yet tomorrow morning, uh, the snow's going to come, the weather's going to change, I'm going to spill me tea making me coffee my kids are going to nag me and i'm going to physically hate them or so i'm get that's a general example i think my kids are probably watching i don't hate your kids but you know the kind of thing that i'm saying the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead exists in us empowers us to resurrection life and yet i'm in the bang in the middle of a job that's boring literally 
I don't know if I like it or not. I'm just so bored of it. And I'd rather stare into space and think about this amazing resurrection that I've got. It's hard, I think, to live, or it's odd, to live out this resurrection life in the middle of what is a normal life. Even if you're really secure in, in your faith, you can still have moments where you think, have I just, am I making this up? Have I really got this resurrection life? And if, if, if faith is something that you're really, you know, you're thinking about or you're wrestling with, then it might cause you to dismiss it altogether. So what I want to leave you with today, um, to reassure you really, um, are just three tips, three tips, three insights, that's better to say, three insights that I think Peter shows us in this reading um, about what the resurrections, uh, what the resurrection life can bring, even in the mundane and even in the normal. And you'll see in, in the story just how normal it is. Verse three, um, he's gone to work. I'm going fishing. You can imagine workmen like Peter saying that I'm going fishing. It's so normal. And the commentators um, that I was reading say here that they think the disciples fled, fled, you know, they were running away. They were, they were they panicking. But I think it's a lot more, less dramatic and more normal than that. I think they were fishermen. They were hungry. They wanted something to eat. They wanted to do something uh, familiar in the panic. It's, it's very normal stuff. And it gets even more normal. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Peter never seems to catch any fish unless Jesus is there. If he's ever on his own, he's, he sounds like the, you know, the worst fisherman you can ever imagine. Every time you read about him in the Bible, he's, he's not catching fish. He's having a, an incredibly normal day. And then out of the blue, maybe a little out of the normal, maybe not actually, there's a voice on the shore and it's sort of banterful. It's kind of colloquial shout. You're not caught anything? I think if, you know, I think that in the text, it sounds a little different to that in, in verse five, but I think that's the sort of the cut of the jib. <clears throat> Friends, haven't you got any fish? Have you caught out? Almost like insinuating that they probably haven't caught anything, pretty normal. And then to these normal people doing normal things, a voice says, and I think the triggers, the memory triggers will have kicked in for some of the disciples who were here previously and had met Jesus previously, he says, well, the voice says, because they don't know that it's him, try the other side. And they try uh, the other side and they catch 153 fish, which is maybe not a lot for a fisherman these days, but in in, a, in their boat, it's, a, it's enough to tip the boat. It's a huge amount of fish. And when they see this huge catch of fish and when they consider the voice that said, try the other side, even though they've been fishing all night, when they realize that they're gonna to have to take a step of faith and trust this voice from the shore. And John pipes up and he says, or the, or the penny drops and he says, it's the Lord. And as Peter carries, and if you can see in the text there in verse 11, it's a lovely picture, I think. It's almost, it's one of those moments where Peter gets to learn the lesson. He shows his enthusiasm as he always does. And, and Jesus says, go back to the go back to the boat and bring some of the fish. And Peter's obviously the first one to go back because that's Peter. He runs back, but then he's got to drag this 153 net load of fish and back so they can cook something for breakfast. And as he's, you know, straining every sinew to pull these fish back, the painful lessons, I think, the, the painful and beautiful lessons that Jesus teaches are um, rinsing through his brains. 
a disciple's primary calling our primary calling is care for people what did jesus say the first time he bumped into him when they were fishing and they ended up catching lots of fish i'm going to make you fishers of men peter would have had that moment in his mind like it would just happen and not only that the primary calling is to fish for people to care for people to be moved by people over over everything that else that's going on in his life and our lives it's to know that this calling is always going to be a matter of faith it's, it's god who filled the boat up with fish it's for him to faithfully throw the net out on the other side the first the first um insight i think peter gives gives us in this story about what it's like to live a normal resurrection filled life is that we can keep fishing keep faithfully throwing out a net because i there's periods of our lives when you when you've been a christian where it feels like you've been up all night being a christian it's you're exhausted of doing it you're exhausted of being faithful it's an exhausting thing i think sometimes isn't it As, you know to keep witnessing to keep believing it's exhausting unless jesus has arisen so we can keep fishing on whatever side at whatever time though we've not caught anything yet and we've been a christian for years and years because it's the lord and i think peter realizes as he drags this big bag of fish of the game-changing nature of the resurrection he realizes that it's about faith he realizes it's about people and it's about people for us it's about faith for us we can we can hear the voice of jesus and we can see the story of the resurrection and we can keep being faithful so that's the first part of the story then we get it moves on and it's kind of lovely and it's really kind of simple actually at least on the face of it verse 12 there's a breakfast invite and it almost seems kind of like an incidental thing doesn't it when you get an invite for breakfast it just doesn't it doesn't seem like this is a big deal you know jesus is there and the fire's on and they're going to have something to eat but this is no um, small matter um to to share bread which i think you can see in the text there that's what jesus did it's not just it's not just any meal the, the writer and jesus is, is keen to make it clear that this is a sharing bread moment when you break uh, bread with another person in and around that part of the world now even but definitely at this time it's like you make a bond you have an accord you are in alignment you don't just eat with anybody in jerusalem you don't just eat with anybody in in near eastern culture if, if you've got an invite it's a huge deal if you're sat down with them and they offer you food then it's massively significant it means we have a bond um it's and this is a huge um theme that runs right throughout the biblical text this idea right at the start in genesis there's a there's a scene uh, there's a text there's a moment because that's what it is it's a text there's a moment where um where abraham shares a meal with with what is god and it's a covenant meal and you look into that and you know that the promises made around that time are forever because of the nature of the meal because it's a covenantal moment and you skip right to the end of the bible to um, revelation uh, revelation 420 most succinctly says it um 
there's a text and it's Jesus speaking that says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, and this is kind of like the idea of, you know, becoming saved or salvation. He says, I'll come in, which, you know, that part of it we're familiar with, but it goes on to say, so I'm sorry we haven't got this text up, but you can check it out if you don't believe me. Revelation 4.20 says, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. We will have a union together so strong through your faith. It's a, it's a theme th right throughout the Bible. And it's a it's something we enjoy, we will enjoy on Tuesday night. And we enjoy other in other aspects of our Christianity. We get the privilege of sharing this special relationship with our God communion we take bread and wine and it means that we are in accord with god he has made promises to us that he's going to keep and we are making promises to him that we're going to keep so when jesus says to peter and the rest of the disciples because let's be fair peter denied him but everybody legged it everybody ran off when jesus says to these guys come and have breakfast he's not just saying i can see you're hungry He's saying, well, you all betrayed me. And Peter in particular, you know, you said that you, you loved me and you'd do anything for me. But I've forgiven you. Come and have breakfast with me. We've still got an accord. As Peter goes through this experience where he makes these incredible, bold promises to his, to his rabbi, to his saviour. And he tries to go through the resurrection story with him, doesn't he? he? He's with him for the three years and he says, just outside of Jerusalem, just on the way to the cross, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to go with you all the way. And the reality of facing up to that cross, of going where Jesus went, that was too much for him. And he failed and he denied him and he, he shared that we share that feeling that he had where he just squirmed and his faith dissipated and it wasn't quite big enough. And yet, because of the resurrection, Jesus says to him, I'm cooking breakfast for you. Come and sit down with me. Peter has this moment where he gets to, and you can see, um, see in the text about verse 12 it is, that nobody speaks. Um, it's not like a breakfast in our house. But, you know, there's cereal flying everywhere, chaos, lots of chat. And this breakfast is, is silent. It's awesome, reverential fear because because of the resurrection, they have realized who God is. And they have this moment of hairs on your back standing on end of just complete awe. I overuse the word awesome. It's Martin Phillips's fault for those of you that goes to Christchurch. He always says awesome. He's, he's set me off saying it. But the awe that these disciples feel in this moment, it's real awe. This is what we have. Even in Ponte and Cass and West Yorks in 2021, under this pandemic, we have moments of spine tingling awe because Jesus was raised from the dead and he says to us, Come and eat with me. And we sit there, and I imagine Peter still squirming, but just completely bowled over by the privilege that it is to still have an accord with this man, to still have a relationship with this man, Jesus, to have a connection with the raised Savior. 
That's the second thing that's our privilege. And the last thing, we see it in this fairly well-known conversation at the end. Um, and it's a really lovely conversation. Verse 15 um, to 17, I'll just read it out. Uh, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus, he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And he says it again the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This, this conversation, I would suggest, I reckon, is, is one that Peter wasn't capable of having a couple of weeks ago. In fact, you might say he wasn't capable of having it before, before he met the risen Jesus. You know, great as he is and heartfelt as he is and motivated as he was, you know, sort of brilliant as he was. He was maybe just too certain of himself or too headstrong or too faithless. You think about loads of times when, Jesus, when they sort of headed in this direction, Peter would say things like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never, you know, there would be this sort of robust, resolved response. And he wouldn't open up and he wasn't able to see himself. He wasn't able to really see himself and he wasn't able to really see Jesus. But because of the resurrection, because of that resurrection journey that he had with Jesus, because of what he'd seen, because of who he'd found out that he was, he was completely undone. He was broken. He was he was made honest. He knew real awe. And this conversation, um, I think for this sort of, I don't want to stereotype him too much, but you know, this probably bearded butch fisherman has a conversation that reaches into the root of his convictions. He talks about his loves and he's forced to iron out his loves like never before. He speaks from the heart in a way that maybe he's never done before. And maybe Peter even needed this conversation in order to become what, what God had planned for him, to become this shepherd, this rock. Maybe he had to be broken, but he gets to a place because of his resurrection experience um, that reaches the very core of him. This is even in 2021, this is what the resurrection does for us, or it can do for you if this is something that you're thinking about. It can open you up. It shows you yourself in a way that you never thought possible. You you stare for a second at that cross and believe that somebody might just give their life for you. And consider the fact that you might have had something to do with him being there and realize that that he really goes somewhere where you can't. And yet, even after all that, even after many times getting it wrong in our lives, he still just says, got any fish? Come and sit down for something to eat. Sit down with me. We have, we have moments in our lives, even now, where we have that same spine-tingling chat, that same honest conversation that same honest look at ourselves where we dig around and we become 
who we can be. Today, Easter Sunday, and with this I wrap up, finish. Um, there's a certainty about it, particularly for Christians, but there's a real certainty about it. There's a joyful high. When, you, when we sing the song, there's a song that will come on, I'm sure. Yeah, we're singing a song after this. And for those, for those of us of, of faith, it will be just a huge spiritual high, I think, as we celebrate this day. Um, but Monday's coming. It's Sunday, but Monday's coming. The mundane is coming. The real normal is coming. And, and those thinking or wrestling with this stuff might just see the resurrection in light of that as just being implausible in the middle of the mundanity. And even, even those of you really secure in your faith, in the middle of the barren Monday work along day, might the resurrection might feel like a long way off. But, and the resurrection is the best but in any sentence, but because he rose, because he stands on the shore and can shout and talk to us, we, though, though we've been fishing all night, though we've been Christians forever and caught nothing, though we feel like nothing has come from it, we can throw the net out faithfully like we've gone fishing for the first time because we know the guy who fills the nets. Though we're stuck in the middle of the most boring Monday, might be, might be you tomorrow, might be me tomorrow. Though we've got the most like regular job that you can imagine, and I know regular jobs, we always have a higher vocation. Always have a higher vocation. Though we've been completely exposed as a sinner, though we, though we know that, we can still share a meal in accord with the Holy God. Though we live in what is often a really shallow-feeling world, we can know a depth uh, that secures the soul. Though living in a world that moves at like a hundred miles an hour, we can know moments of perfect peace. To those of us still out on the boat, he shouts, keep fishing, try the other side, be faithful. Do you recognize my voice? Come and have breakfast with me. Let's talk so you can become who you were created to be.